What is up, Ask Us Nation? Welcome back to the Ask Us Why podcast. This is actually, for correction, the Ask You Why podcast, a brand new segment that's kind of a branch off of the Two Cents podcast that um, I was kind of doing. Um, but this time, rebranding the name because, of course, follows the brand Ask Us Why. And it centers around the entire idea of what I want this podcast to be about, which is just getting to learn people's testimonies, their stories, who they are, and how Jesus has changed your life and how Jesus is working through their life today. And if you're any bit like me, you're a sucker for a good story. And I cannot express how awesome Andrew's story is. That's a little hint to our guest today, Andrew F. Carter. If you've never heard of him before, I guarantee you've seen him before. He is all over TikTok. He's all over Instagram. He is one of the the first, I would say, first like really big name Christian influencers on TikTok, which is also integrated into uh, Instagram as well. He's got almost a million followers on Instagram. He also has almost 300 or almost a million followers on TikTok correction, and almost 300,000 on Instagram, and he is constantly pouring into his community, is constantly posting content, he is praying over people, he is baptizing people, he's got a church going on now, but I'm telling you, his story is crazy, because he comes from a crazy background that is not what you would expect for who he is today and the way he carries himself, which is just another testimony to the power of God and how he can work through anybody's life. And so I'm really excited for this story. Uh, I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. And uh, with that being said, let's jump right into it. guys welcome back to the two cents well not two cents anymore we're changing up the name we're calling it the ask ui podcast kind of just fits the uh the whole theme of the ask us why stuff i've been playing around with everything we do now just using the ask us why kind of idea um but i uh, i'm venturing into a new realm and i'm starting off doing more virtual podcasting to to reel in more guests and influencers and people from all over the place because not everyone's based in phoenix and andrew f carter has been generous enough to offer some of his time to be on here and so uh i for one am extremely grateful that you're here man and i'm super excited to just learn so much more about what you do because you're probably like one of the the top like influencer pastors that's out there and even with like TikTok, I think you're pretty close to like a million followers on there, which is crazy. So again, excited to learn so much about that story, but I'd love for you to just kind of start off just introducing yourself and letting people know who you are that maybe have never heard of you before. Um, so they have a little bit of background before we get into things. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter and I'm the lead pastor of Royal City Church here in Inglewood a church that we planted last October. So we're creeping up on our one year anniversary of uh, being a fully functional church. But you alluded to it. I started on social media and that's what I do. So um, some might call it a digital missionary. Some might call it uh, a kingdom influencer. I like to call it a kingdom collaborator. I use social media, um, every platform in order to spread the gospel and to make Jesus's name more known. Uh, besides that, I am a husband, a father, and an author. So kind of a nutshell, um, that is me. 
You do a lot of things. You are <laughs> juggling so much all the time. That's crazy. So how did, was it originally TikTok that you started with, with ministering and, and everything? I'm sure there's obviously more behind the story of your faith, but was TikTok the first platform where you really tried to take your faith to like the, the digital realm? Yeah, it was, it was really uh, collaborative. So it was TikTok, but it was at the same time Instagram, but TikTok definitely took off. Uh, much faster, much, yeah. much further. Yeah, it was TikTok. <laughs> Did, were you an early adopter of it when it first came out? I wouldn't say early adopter. I was a 2019 guy, so it was it was fairly early, but um, I could have been a smidge earlier. I was I was dragging my feet. You were still 2019 though when you got on the app. Yeah. Okay. You 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 way beat me. I mean, I joined it officially, I guess, this year. But that's crazy to think the app's been around that long. I feel like it's still way too brand new. Yeah. You're pretty, I feel like you are pretty early on into Would you it. Say that definitely, doctor? Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Cause I think everyone's on it now, but even in, I think in 2019, majority of people, I'm sure you might've gotten some flack about this. Maybe, yeah. maybe not, but yes. there was this huge thing about like, it's only for like teens. It's for like dancing and stuff. And it's mm -hmm. not for older people and stuff. Like, did you kind of face that a little bit when you first started on it? Oh, a ton. They, they were making fun of me, man. They were just like, what do you do? You <laughs> going to go make a TikTok? Are you going to go dance? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm actually doing prayers and Christian comp, you know, content. And they, I mean, yeah. everybody was roasting me. Yeah. Well, I think that that's still like, I don't like, I, I haven't spent enough time in the realm to fully be able to grasp a solid, um, like understanding or thesis about it. But it seems like, I mean, the idea of this digital realm and like doing ministry through it is still like pretty fairly new. Like people have used YouTube obviously for a long time, but in short form content, I don't know if that's as orthodox as it seems to be today. And so um, for you and kind of your journey with TikTok, did you ever find like other people on the platform doing what you were doing or were you kind of running solo for a while? No, there was there was guys far before me and, uh, you know, leading the way, paving the way uh, who, who just came out different things, different styles. But there was yeah. definitely a Christian TikTok that I entered into that was uh, kind of already established. Yeah. Have you always been kind of like a, a social media type guy? Because you're kind of saying you were doing it with Instagram too, but is that just an avenue you've always been passionate about to like carry out ministry? Uh, before ministry, I wanted to be like trainer to the stars. So I had social media in place. It wasn't very successful, but I definitely <laughs> was on social media trying to, to basically push my online workout plans and my own personal influence. That's so awesome. Okay, we'll come back to TikTok and and kind of where you're at with ministry now. But like one of the obviously the biggest questions, the name of the podcast, the Ask You Why. Like I want to know your story of faith. I, I think that I could be wrong, but part of me, I think I've heard from some of your sermons that you used to be in prison or you used to be in jail, and then you kind of came through that. And I don't know if you knew Christ before then or not, but like, what is what is your why? Like, how did you come to know Jesus? Ooh, how much time do we have, Jeremy? <laughs> you got as much time as you want. Okay, so uh, my my story it's in segments, right? I'm 38 years old, so I got to give it to you in like you know 10 to 15 year pieces. Uh, I love it, it. I promise it will all dovetail and make sense when we come to a conclusion. So 
Perfect. I'll start here. Um, I was born into, like, I was born in the beginning, right? Here's the genesis. <laughs> my, my mom and dad were drug addicts. Uh, my mom was a prostitute and my dad was her pimp. And so I think that that's very important to start with to kind of paint the picture of the environment that I grew up in. So mm. you know, I was I was born also addicted to drugs. I had underdeveloped lungs and I was considered a crack baby. So from the beginning of my life, I was in a versatile, um, a troubling and challenging environment where there was drugs, there was sex, there was violence, there was all of these things that um, a lot of people can, you know, can relate to. Some can't, but some can. But it wasn't a religious household. Uh, I didn't know my dad growing up. After three months old, he beat my mom within an inch of her life and she fled to California. So I was born in Oregon at three months old, fled to California and spent the next 12 uh, years down there. And during the time my mom met a new man, I had a brother. Um, life looked somewhat normal. They had a, they were, you know, apartment managers, but we moved around a lot. Um, in that time, my, my stepdad was accused of uh, sexually molesting somebody in our family. And what happened is my mom took that and she relapsed on drugs. So for a small amount of time, she wasn't doing drugs. She was clean. We had a somewhat normal life. But when that happened, it sent her in a tailspin and she started using again. And so I was like seven or eight years old and I had no idea what was going on. Um, from there, we, we got kicked out of the house. We started living in cars, family members, homes, uh, motels, hotels, things like that. Right. At 11, she went to a rehab center and she put me on a Greyhound bus to live in Oregon with some family members that I'd never met before, which was a, a wild <laughs> experience. And so um, at this point, you know, drugs, alcohol, those were starting to be norms in my life. I still didn't really know Jesus. My grandma was a Seventh-day Adventist and she would force us to go to church every now and again. But um, I didn't understand. I didn't know the gospel. I didn't know Jesus. I knew none of that. I knew drugs, alcohol, mm -hmm. sex, violence. That's what was my norm. Um my mom got out of rehab, moved to Oregon at 12 years old. That's when I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol, having sex and being you know, sexually active at the age of 12, which um, is crazy. I have a 12 year old son. So to think that he is, he's, he's no, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's not in that environment to think that at that age I was doing those things. It breaks my heart, but really opens my eyes to the state of this world. But wow. between 12 and 17 years old, I did whatever I wanted, man. I, I, my mom would buy me drugs. I was in and out of foster care. I was bouncing around all kinds of different homes, family members. I was between California and Oregon, house hopping, living on couches. Um, life was wild. Life was wild. And for me, it was monkey see, monkey do. So my norm was violence, manipulation, abuse, anger, um, domestic violence is what I saw all the time, selling drugs, prostitution, using your body as a tool in order to get the things that you wanted. So for me, women were to be, they, they were just a tool. They were to be a notch on the belt. So I had this completely crazy worldview that had nothing to do with God, that had nothing to do with yeah. Jesus. And so it wasn't until 17. So here's the part two. At 17, I was trying to date this girl who I found attractive and she was a Christian. And so her brother pulled me aside and said, hey, if you want to date my sister, you have to be a Christian. And my mindset, Jeremy, at the time was like, I'll do whatever it takes because I was only thinking of one <laughs> thing. It wasn't honorable. Yeah. It wasn't good. So I hop in the car and for an hour, this guy gives me the entire gospel presentation, sin, salvation, mm. eternity, um, repentance, everything. 
And at the end, you know, it was the first time it really made sense to me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit and, you know, accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. All the wrong intentions, but it was right. (laughs) It was right. It got me there, but uh, Jesus became a reality to me. And I wish that I could say from there, I walked away and I just lived and served God for the rest of my life. But when I went home, I went back home to drugs, alcohol, sex, and, and I didn't change my environment. I didn't hop into church. I wasn't being discipled. But the thing that happened is my eyes were open to the reality of the sin that I was living in. And so from that moment forward, I, I can pinpoint it from that night forward, sin was never the same. I continued to smoke and drink and have sex and party, but now there was this heaviness. Now it no longer satisfied. Now there was something missing. And now there was this world of consequences that I hadn't experienced up to that point. I I lived life pretty carefree with no penalty, but it was like from, that was a marker in my life. Now I started getting in trouble. Now I started having run-ins with the law and I was just like, I wish I never accepted this Jesus guy because he's messing up all my sin. He's messing up all my fun. That was my mindset at 17. Mm. And so um, moving forward, you know, I'll I'll keep this brief. I I ended up getting that same girl pregnant. Again, living in the world, living in sin. If you would have asked me, you know, looking back, I was saved. I knew who the Holy Spirit was, but there was this process that was going on where I was wrestling with what it was to be follower of Jesus. So uh, mm-hmm. got pregnant, got married, and I got in trouble. I was in and out of jail still, man. I was stealing stuff, doing drugs secretly, um, in, you know, abusive. It was just, it was a bad scene at 19. And uh, it was after a six-month stint in jail. I got out of jail and I found myself in a church. And in this church, it was uh, a Holy Ghost-filled church that was bent on discipling planting churches and raising up pastors. So I went from like the streets to this, you know, Holy Ghost filled church and I started being discipled. And for the next two and a half, maybe three years or so, um, we did fasting, we did praying, we did, you know, this militant boot camp style of raising me up to be a pastor. And Mm -hmm. even though I was in the church, it's not what I necessarily wanted, but um, we had a revival that was a week long. And every year it was the same evangelist. It was the same week. And so my first year there, this evangelist came in and there was, there was hundreds of people there and people were getting saved. I saw moves of the spirit, but every night he would bring one person up on stage from the crowd and he would speak a prophetic word over their life. And the first year I didn't get called, but I watched every person who was spoke over. I watched it happen over the next year. And I'm just wow. like, wow, this guy, he's, he's got power. Like he's really hearing from God and what he's sharing with these people. I'm watching them walk in it. And so knowing that he was coming the next year, you know, I started praying like, God, I need a word. I need to hear from you. Like, what is it? And to paint the picture, I was at this time, I had two kids now married, working in a factory, kind of a dead end job. I had maxed out my, my salary. Um, I was in the church, but I was just looking for direction. I needed, you know, I felt like I was called to more. And so on the seventh night of the second year of revival, he calls me up and I'm just like, yes, I'm thinking I'm about to be blessed. Like in my mind, (laughs) I'm praying, you know, I'm praying for a financial uh, windfall. I'm praying for, you know, a promotion, something, you know, uh, I'm 20, I think I'm 23 or so, just, you're still trying to figure it out. And the guy calls me up and he says, Andrew, you know, 
this is the word for you. And he's like, you're called to ministry. And I was like, strike one. And he's like, you're, you've got words of gold. And I was like, I hate talking in front of people, strike two. And then he said, you're going to speak to millions of people about Jesus. And I was like, strike three. I don't know a million. <laughs> this guy, this is the worst word. And I was like, you probably got the wrong Andrew. Like, thus saith the Lord for, <laughs> you know, the other brother, Andrew, this is for me. Yeah. And so um, I left the revival extremely disappointed, um, heartbroken, mm. confused. And I don't think it was more than two weeks later, I ended up leaving the church. Um, I had been there for oh, two wow. and a half years. I packed up my family and I was like, we're out of here. And so um, from there, I went back to school. It was the first time I went to college. Um, I ended up going and earning two college degrees. Uh, when I got done with school, I started a CrossFit gym. I started a business. And as far as I was concerned, I was succeeding. You know, a kid who came from drugs and alcohol and violence and foster care, um, I was achieving awards, accolades. I had newspaper articles. Like I was doing well. I was making six figures. Uh, it was a, a story of a kid who pulled himself up from the bootstraps. And I did it without going to church. You know, we weren't going to church. We didn't need Jesus. It was just blood, sweat, and tears. Mm. And, um, you know, from the outside looking in. But looking back, I was broken. I was empty. I was hurt. Uh, the achievements and the awards, they never satisfied. I was angry. I never healed from the childhood trauma. I never did the work. It was the picture on Instagram of like the wife, the kids, the business, the home. But behind the scenes, man, I was numb and, and lost. And I was looking at pornography. I was struggling with lust. I was partying, you know, sneaking drugs and alcohol behind my family's back. Like, dude, it was a wreck. Uh, and so... It, about six years down the road, um, we're at a, a celebration for my gym and I committed to crime. I got, I hit somebody with a wine bottle. Um, and from there I ended up basically going to prison. I, I was out for a year. I fought the case. They were trying to send me to prison for seven years and I ended up, um, getting an assault three, a lesser charge. And I spent 18 months in prison. And while I was there, you know, I basically uh, lost my, my gym, lost my family, lost everything, you know, lost everything. And a lot of people come to Christ when they're in jail, when they're in those tough spots. But for me, uh, I was angry. I, I, at the time, I was a victim. You know, I was mad mm -hmm. at God for putting me in that situation. I blamed him. I blamed everybody else. I took zero accountability for my actions that landed me there and was so filled with anger that I refused to repent. I refused to come back to Christ. So I spent 18 months just filled with just rage, man. I was not happy. And so the next year, even being out of jail, I didn't like work on myself. I didn't, I wasn't going to church. I was making up for lost time. I was still in sin. And so I fast forward to kind of bring this all to a, a wrap. What got me from there to here is like I said, I was an online trainer. I was rebuilding my life. I was back in the gym. I was traveling. Um, I was trying to find myself like the world tells you to do. And, uh, you know, I found myself listening to Gary V and Gary V was just like, you got to create content. You, you know, it's not about the quality, it's quantity, put it out. And so, like I said, I was on every platform putting out this motivational content, like coach Carter coming at you with a minute of motivation <laughs> in your face. And um, it was tanking. 
it, it, it was failing miserably. I was putting in so much work and there wasn't a lot of return on my effort. And I was just like, why, man? I feel like I've got the, the voice. I've got the story. I've got all of the pieces, but it's not coming together. And so I was at the end of my rope. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I had started going to church briefly here and there, reading my Bible a little bit. I felt like I was missing that. And I had this feeling of like, hey, share parts of your testimony. And I was like, that's stupid. I'm, you're not supposed to mix religion and business that you're going to run everybody off. And it was this overwhelming voice. I was sitting at my computer. And it was just like, just share your testimony. And so I popped on, I got my little ring light out and I've made this video and the video was for or, or things that God has carried me through, something like that. I'm going to butcher it. Mm -hmm. And it was prison, divorce, foster care. And then I pointed at one more box and it said, and every other storm of life. That was it. Put a soft Christian song. I think it was like Lauren Daigle, Rebel Heart. Like that <laughs> probably say a word, just pointed at stuff. And I posted it. So I went to bed and I had 200 followers that night. I just was like, whatever, you know, people are going to think I'm lame. I'm probably going to lose a bunch of followers. But I woke <laughs> up the next morning and I had 15,000 followers. There was 15,000 new followers. And I was just like jaw drop. I was like, wait a second. I've been trying this by my own strength, sharing workout tips, nutrition, shirt off, you know, sweaty, all the stuff, thirst traps, nothing worked. And here we go. And so I was pretty excited. I was like, yes, this is awesome. You know, here we go. We're, we're going to start. But I started reading the DMs and messages like, okay, what are people saying? Why were they drawn to this? And there was one message that stuck out and forever changed my existence. And it was, Andrew, your video touched me last night. Uh, I've been to prison. I've been to foster care. I've been divorced. And the man said, last night I was going to kill myself. But when I saw your video and seen you smiling and pointing to God, even though you've gone through those things, I decided not to. Wow. And um, that was it. It broke me. And I uh, started weeping. Holy Spirit came over me and a verse came to mind. And it was just like, you have been made for such a time as now. And we found in the book of Esther. And uh, from there, the memory of like, hey, you've been called to ministry. You're going to speak to millions of people and you have words of gold. That came to mind and um, I, I kind of, I haven't really looked back since then. I've dabbled, I've, I've had some struggles getting, you know, from there to where I'm at, but the direction of everything I was doing completely changed. Wow. Sorry. That's insane. I know. I love that. That's, that's incredible. Um, so how many, so how many years ago that was TikTok? you were saying was, so it was like 2019 is when most of that started to happen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, to kind of catch up then, are you still the, the, cause I, are you married right now currently? Or are you dating someone right now? Cause I've seen her in your videos before. Yeah. We're, we're married. So God, okay. Fast. Yes. Okay. So, uh, and that's not your previous wife. This no. is okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm just connecting the dots here. Yeah. Dang. So, I mean, going back to the prophecy of like what that pastor had said over your life, has it just like, did, at what point did you realize that what he said was coming true? Uh, probably, I mean, within days of uh, that video going viral, like it came yeah. to the forefront of my memory. And it was just like, hey, words of gold, ministry, millions of people about Jesus, about Jesus. Yeah right there. And wow. I, wow. I can't believe that. 
That's crazy. Okay, so following that, did you completely discontinue all of your workout videos? Did you just kind of have a shift in heart to, to do more like preaching? Or did you kind of try to mingle the two together? Or how did that kind of transition go? Because I don't know if I've ever seen any of your, your workout resumes or any of the Coach Carter stuff out there. But um, did you kind of just like cold cut it right there? And you were just like, Lord has moved me? Or were you kind of like in a transitional phase where you're kind of still holding on a little bit to it? And it took some time to let go. Yeah, it took time to let go. It was probably a good eight, nine months from, you know, we'll just say it was uh, January of 2020 because December is when it all happened. So January of 2020, it took, a, it took a few months before I transitioned out of that because that was my, my livelihood. And so I was, uh, it would be like every other video or every couple would be a Christian video. And then it, the balance started shifting to more, Christian, instead of a minute of motivation, it was like a minute Bible verse. And then mm. it just, it transformed and morphed to one minute to, okay, now we're going to do a five minute breakdown of this chapter. And, um, you know, and I remember people were like, Hey, when are you going to post another workout video? We haven't seen you post a workout video in a couple <laughs> of weeks. And I'm just like, I don't know if I'm gonna, man. I just, I love the gospel. I yeah. love this. You probably pulled out the scripture from Paul talking about how like physical workout is up to some value, but not yeah. compared to the spiritual. So yeah. that's yeah. so awesome. Okay. So you, you've kind of made this huge transition in your life. You're doing content on TikTok, And then from there, you see so much traction and so much fruit from the ministry that you've done. Uh, since then, obviously you've grown significantly on your platforms and your influence has gone way beyond, I'm sure what you probably imagined that it would go to, um, how, how long was it until, uh, your church started? You said you were coming up on almost a year now of it being around. Yeah. Yeah. So was that something that, uh, how long did it take for you to kind of feel led to, to start a church? Like what's kind of the story behind Royal city and how that came to be? Cause one of my favorite things that I've seen, and I'd love to get more details on it is you guys are just baptizing people in the ocean, yeah. like yeah. the coolest thing ever. And I don't know like how exactly you guys structure, um, how you guys do baptisms and stuff, but I am such a fan of like, if someone's like, let's get baptized. You're like, there's a body of water right here. Let's just go do it. Like yeah. the the story of um, the, uh, I believe it was the, oh, what's the name? I'm spacing on it right now. It's where Peter, I think it's Peter. He's ministering to the um, the guy in the cart. The, Philip. 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 Uh, the Ethiopian. Ethiopian. Yeah. I wanted to say a different word and I was like, it's not coming to me. The Ethiopian. Yes. The eunuch. That's what I was going to say. The yeah. Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, uh, I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about like how Royal City came to be. Yeah. So, um, you know, I moved to California. I was, all of this was happening in Oregon and I moved to California to pursue my wife, my wife, Kyra. I met her online, um, through Instagram. She lived in Cali. I lived in Oregon and, um, I mean, it was, I moved down here to be closer to court her. And so from there, you know, it was just, we hit the ground running is I felt that she, she wanted to be in ministry. That's all that her heart's desire is, is she loves the Lord. She loves kids. And so as soon as I moved down here, all of these opportunities started popping up. I started getting booked to go to like youth camps and share about Christian TikTok and, and to share things. And so the, the next year, 2020, was a lot of me going to these different places and sharing the gospel, share, really just sharing my testimony and how I came to faith. 
And then 2021, we got invited to go to a youth camp in Ohio um, to do the same. And so it was July of 2021. It was just last year. We go there and we spent five days. And I think each day I spoke, I did two sermons and we played games. I did a workout for the kids and we would stay up until midnight or so ministering to them. And it was five days of just pouring into these kids. We were exhausted, but we're sitting in the airport after this five day camp. And, uh, she was just like, I got to tell you something. I was like, what's going on? And she says, you know, I just feel really led. The Holy Spirit saying, it's time for me to quit my job. And she worked a full-time job from home. And I was just like, wow, like we're not making any money. That's crazy. But we can't, like if the yeah. Holy Spirit's saying that, he's not going to, he's not going to not provide if he brings it, brings us to it. And so, um, we go home and, you know, she's just kind of praying on it and, and being led. And at the same time, God's telling me that we need to go deeper, that we need to be opening a church. And I was just like, I think this is, I think that this is probably the worst decision ever. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be in a church. (laughs) I'm like, I'm ignoring the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, we're both in our own prayer closets and she calls me into the room and she's just like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, what's up? And she goes, what do you think about this building? And she's like looking at buildings. I'm like, for what? Like, why? And she goes, I'm feeling led that we need to start a church. And I was like, oh my gosh, no <laughs> way. Cause uh, you know, God went right over my, over my shoulder and went straight to my wife and told her that we need to start a church. I was like hiding it. I was like, I don't know. It was confirmation. And the place that she was looking at is called the miracle theater, five minutes from our house here in Inglewood. Mm. And so we prayed about it. We reached out, we got some counsel, we got some insight from, some of our mentors, and they were just all in agreement. And they said, yes, that is it. That is it. And so from July to October, you know, three months later, we planted a church like that overnight. Wow. So are you guys doing weekly gatherings or is it monthly gatherings? I was trying to get an idea from the, the website. Yeah. So we do monthly gatherings right now and everything else, it's a hybrid. Everything else is done online. Yeah. That's awesome. I, yeah. So, um, Man, okay. The next one, because I have, I just have so many questions. I just want to know so much about what you do. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll circle back to your time in prison. Obviously, like from what you had said, you have just kind of this, like at least from your experience, this bitterness, the time that you spend in there, like it wasn't like some stories where you're in prison and you come to know Jesus again, or you kind of have this like returning to Him, prodigal son moment. Um. For you, you spent your 18 months just not experiencing that. But coming out of it now, I noticed one of the things that you do offer as well is prison ministry. So like where has your heart kind of transitioned back into part of your testimony into like helping other prison mates with experiencing Jesus? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where I can look back in retrospect and see how God was reaching out to me while I was there. So just because I didn't experience it, it wasn't for the lack of his presence. It was the the hardness of my heart. And I just look back uh, again. I, I can't change the past, but there were so many opportunities in prison for me to experience ministry, to make a difference. But while I was there, I was more of a, a Saul. I was persecuting the Christians and the guys who were going to services. I was mocking them, making fun of them. Because I had been a Christian before, I had been a Christian on the streets, 
And what I, you know, I would, I would mock them and I was like, oh, you guys just have crisis faith. When you get out of here, you're going to go right back to what you were getting into. You're only here serving God because you're in a pinch. Like where were you? So that was my heart posture and it was wicked and it was, it was hard. And I look back and see how God tried to get a hold of me. And I just think that, I think that it can be lasting. Um, crisis faith can be avoided uh, if we set them up with the right resources, the discipleship, the accountability, and the, the partnerships that are needed to thrive when they get out. So I also have an angle. I know the pressure that comes with getting free and how it can take a turn. And so by having that inside knowledge or insight, I feel like I'm able to better prepare or equip them, being that I've walked in their shoes and helping them mm. know what they're facing. So my heart's there for them. Yeah. So how often are you doing prison ministry on a consistent basis right now? Or is it something you just kind of get to in the midst of your super sporadic calendar of events? You know, it's something that we're just stepping into. So right now I'm working with God behind bars. And the extent of what I've done is I've partnered with them and am now uh, providing their app and uh, their Pando app with content. Uh, where mm. they're able to get connected. So our church is represented on the app so that those who are released in this area can be connected with us. I have yet to get behind the bars because since COVID, there's so many more regulations and restrictions on entering. We've had to kind of disrupt the way in which we minister to those behind bars. So your yeah. old ministry where you could go behind, it's opening back up, but it's very, very slow to get back to where it was. That's awesome. I think my favorite part of all of that is the fact that you guys set it up to where any inmates that are released have a church that they can go to, like have a home that they can call home outside of it. Because I, I personally can't speak from testimony. Plus, I don't know the industry or just the overall field that well. But I can only imagine that a lot of inmates that get released from prison from years and years spending time in there could probably walk out and don't have a home to go to or don't have a place to go back to, which is yeah. super awesome. So um, with it being a place that only gathers once a month, do you guys like only have access to the building once a month or do you guys share it with other people? How does that kind of work for you guys? Yeah. So it's a theater. So we rent it on a, a monthly basis. I think the limiting okay. factor right now is just that we're in Los Angeles and to mm. keep the doors open and to rent a venue at that place. Um, it is pretty costly. And so yeah. uh, finding real estate in general has been the challenge. We would love to increase the number of gatherings. But again, that's that's dependent upon, uh, you know, tithes, donations, contributions. And right now, honestly, Jeremy, I'm praying for a building that would be a blessing so that we can start to better serve the community. Our heart has been called to um, a brick and mortar place, but we're believing, I believe 2023, 2024 is going to be our year where we actually receive a building and are able to get in. Well, I a hundred percent believe that too. Seeing your faithfulness and your story and kind of where you're at, like the Lord's clearly moving in your guys's life. And it's just a matter of his timing more than anything. Um, okay. So I, I want to know a little bit more about like what it's like to do ministry on an online platform where millions of people are seeing your content. Cause all I can imagine is like from, from different perspectives, you, you get to reach so many people and get to share God's word. You get to share his truth. You get to share the gospel and the impact of like your testimony and the words that you speak is like changing lives. Um, in the midst of that, you're also reaching thousands and thousands up to millions of people. And 
like the one of the things that obviously as being like a pastor is kind of like having a relationship with those that you're shepherding. And so do you like how challenging is it and where do you kind of find the balance with how to invest yourself on a personal level to those that follow you and reach out? And how do you kind of like keep the distance from spending literally your entire day in your DMs responding to people? That's a great question because the first year uh, I literally spent my entire day answering DMs and emails. Um, I wanted to steward the gift well. So I just mm-hmm. see it as an opportunity, man. And, and it was it was 2020. And so I had more time and I had the availability and uh, just the desire. I remember I would get up at five in the morning and I would be on the bike downstairs for an hour, just answering messages, connecting with resources, sending links. And it would be great because I could clear my my inbox, you know, a hundred DMs, boom. And I would set my phone down for five minutes and I would open it up and I'd have a hundred new ones. And I was just like, <laughs> it's the never ending. It was like the basket of fish, you know, as yeah. it, it kept expanding. So I did have to find balance um, mm-hmm. and I had to start understanding that, hey, I am not to shepherd every single one of them. So the content that I create, I've started to keep it more shallow, more disruptive, and more of like, this is not a substitute, right? This is not the, the, this is merely a reminder. Hey, you've been scrolling on social media for the last hour. This is a prayer, not a prayer that substitutes, but a prayer to, uh, to remind you that God wants to talk to you. Put your phone down for a minute and go get into your prayer closet, or I interrupt with the Bible verse. This isn't a substitution for you to read your Bible. This is a reminder you need to open the word of God and you need to feed your spirit. I'm constantly pointing people and encouraging people um, to get connected to a community where they're at. You know, Mm -hmm. what I'm doing online is not a substitution. Um, I feed the sheep at my location for the people who are there. The content is there more as a reminder um, to gather people's attention and pull their focus off the world and to point them back in the direction of God. That's so awesome. So going forward with kind of like how you create content, I like, that's, that's like the number one thing. If I see an Andrew F. Carter post, it's usually stop scrolling, say a prayer with me real quick, or before you go to bed, say a quick prayer. But the thing is, is you are so consistent like every single morning i think it's coffee and prayer and and every single night it's a prayer before bed how do you stay so consistent with creating content like what level of like discipline do you have or is it like your wife that is supplementing some of that is it just strictly like the holy spirit i just want to know because your consistency is inspiring for so many reasons yeah um i think consistency is a superpower that it's it's my gifting so I, I honestly believe that is a gift from the Holy Spirit that, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's something that not a lot of people are able to do. So we've celebrated 308 days in a row on Coffee and Prayer today. So 308 wow. days consecutive. Uh, and that is one chapter New Testament, one chapter Old Testament. And it's an hour long Bible study. And we have not missed a day. That is all glory to God. That is all glory mm-hmm. to God. It is a superpower. Um, consistency, I believe, is the bridge that gets you from where you are to where you want to be. People struggle with showing up. People have unread one-year Bible plans laying on their nightstand. <laughs> have meal plans that they were supposed to start Monday that lasted, you know, three weeks. Uh, you know, they have yeah. exercise programs. 
I think we struggle as a society with consistency. And so I am probably, and, and, and I share this with humility and honesty. I'm not the most qualified. I don't have the most degrees. I don't have the most experience, but I do have the availability. And God, mm. I believe, is more concerned with our availability than our ability, and he will fill in the gap. So I always tell people, if you would just show up, God's going to meet you there. If you just show mm. up, he's going to take you at the edge of your limitations, and he's going to continue to pull you the rest of the way. He's going to fill that gap. We look at Moses. Yeah. We look at David. We look at Abraham. You, the list goes on. Men mm. were limited by their ability, yet God used their availability to propel them. And so yeah. I, I just, I plead with people, stop disqualifying yourself based on your limitations, show up consistently and God's going to meet you. So mm. that's, it's all glory to God. I'm a guy, I say this, I'm a guy in a Jeep who loves Jesus and I show up and he shows out every single time. That's awesome. Big Jeep guy, huh? I'm a Jeep guy. I, I got a Jeep, yeah. 2009 Jeep. It's a humble vessel that I've had for over 10 years. And, uh, yeah, it keeps showing up for me. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm currently rebuilding a 91 with a V8 Chevy in it, and it's been a two-year process. But okay. nice. I'll eventually be in the Jeep gang. <laughs> yeah. Love it. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're traveling all the time, right? You're constantly kind of moving around. You're speaking at events. How do you manage, though? Like, are you just like, I mean, you've kind of already explained that it is a gift of God, but have you ever kind of found challenge when you're traveling to be consistent with like morning and at night, especially with like, you do it pretty early in the morning, right? What time do you usually start it at? Uh, it's 5.30 a.m., whatever time zone I'm in. Crazy. So, I mean, sometimes I guess that's like dinner for people across the world. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, are you like ever getting on flights that are a red eye and instead of going to bed, are you just staying up to do it? Or I mean, has that kind of ever happened yet or is it still yeah. pretty fresh? Yeah, once or twice. So we went on a, a 10 city tour over 15 days I think it was like the third month, second or third month that we started. And, um, you know, we went, you know, all four corners of the nation from Miami to New York to Seattle. Like it was crazy. So the time zones were just wild. Um, and oh, there was wow. a few nights where we got in and it was like, you know, two or three. And I was like, I'm just going to stay up, do the coffee and prayer. But uh, like, like this week, I was in San Diego for two days and I was at a men's retreat. And so I showed up, I just modified it. I said, Hey guys, I'm here getting fed and filled up by the Holy spirit. Um, these are your guys' devotions. Instead of an hour, we're going to do 25 minutes. I shared a personal story, a little bit of context and I, I signed off. So I do have guardrails. I do have parameters and boundaries. So, um, and the cool thing is that the people, it's a, it's a community, it's a family. If I, if I wanted to be like, Hey, we're not going to show up today. Nobody's going to hold it against me. It's, uh, yeah. it's something that I love to do so I continue to show up. But yeah. I think to answer your question, as far as like content goes, is I batch things out too. So um, I, if I'm going to do a prayer video, I might sit here and do four or five at a time, which takes me a minute each and yeah. uh, change my hat or change my shirt or change the lights. So now yep. I have five of them and it took me 10 minutes to do so. Uh, at this point in the game, the content creation and posting, it takes a very small amount of time because I've created a system that's extremely. Mm. Yeah. So you've definitely mastered the, the batch and content and yeah. being able to, to manage busy schedules. Yeah. I've done it a few times with podcasts, switched out the shirt and the hat, try to do it. I, uh, I definitely am not like batching tons of content, but 
I love that. I'm probably gonna have to do that pretty soon here, starting like a Proverbs devotional series, but um, I'll have to take after your steps. <laughs> so um, this is so cool. I love, I love hearing just, I'm, you get to hear stories all the time. And I don't know, I just, I don't know if it's just me that's a sucker for stories, but I feel like every time I'm, I'm always like, I'm not surprised, but I'm also surprised with like how, how God uses so many different people with so many different backgrounds. Um, have you just noticed, like, I mean, like each of us has our own unique testimony that can, can relate to a lot of people. Have you just noticed how your testimony has impacted those around you? Have you found that it's just been one of those like tools that God has given you that's opened up the door to so many relationships that otherwise are harder for more people like me to share? Cause like, I can't, I can't talk to someone who's been to prison before and say, Hey, I know what you've gone through, but for someone like you and what you've experienced, like you have like a whole list of so much that you've gone through. And if anything, you have so many reasons to not want God and to, to have like this whole vendetta against him. But more than anything, it's shown the glory of like how God moves still and just speaks volumes to the power of him. So like, have you kind of noticed that the impact that like your testimony has on other people and like the relationships that's created? Absolutely, man. My testimony reminds me that there's purpose in the pain. I look back and it's like, if, if there is no purpose in everything that I went through, then why did I go through it? But the purpose is, is that I now have special access to groups of individuals where I can take them the gospel. I can go to foster care. I can talk to drug addicts. I can talk to parents of drug addicts. I can talk to people in prison. I can go to all of these places and spaces where I have actual tangible experience in those places and I can bring them the hope of Jesus Christ because mm. I can now empathize. Like you said, yeah. There's, there's some people who can't go into the streets. They can't go into neighborhoods that I can go into. Uh, they can't go to some of these places or they can, but they're not going to be, you know, relatable or, or, you know, received well because they're not speaking from experience. They're speaking from a textbook or they're speaking yeah. from, you know, an opinion or an assumption that they have, but you can't take away the, the practical experience that I have that, yeah. uh, you know, it's a blessing from God, honestly. So I'm well received yeah. from people in a lot of different circles because I've also been successful. So I was also on the chamber of commerce. I'm also educated so I can sit with doctors and lawyers and have a, you know, a very articulate and well-spoken conversation and relate to that side of the socioeconomics, you know, scale, but I can also go into places where a lot of people, they can't do both. So I'm Christ chameleon in a sense where I'm able to go to these places uh, like yeah. double seven and able to. Yep. Yeah. Speaking like 10 different languages, just on a socioeconomic level. That's yeah. awesome. So what encouragement do you have for people who don't have the, the Andrew F. Carter testimony for people who maybe didn't have, like maybe grew up in the Christian home, didn't have some of those radical moments, but have kind of always been a believer, but want to do more. I think it can be super easy for us to get discouraged or think like, well, I don't have a crazy testimony. I can't, I can't go into those places like Andrew can, and I don't have the influence that like Andrew has on these platforms. What encouragement do you have for people like that who are battling those thoughts? Man, the same Holy Spirit that's in me is the same Holy Spirit in you. Um, and, and you are no less. We, we need one another. The body is made of many parts. Not everybody can be an elbow. Some of you guys are kneecaps. Some of you guys are the space between the toes. We all have our role, but we need to come aside one another. Um, just like you might not be able to go to the places that I can go, you have an audience that I might not be able to speak to. And so embrace that too. 
And what we need to do is, is I think that we're most successful when I go to these places, just like Jesus sent the disciples out into, I don't try to take somebody who's like me, right? I'm trying to take somebody like you. Now, maybe you're able, maybe, maybe you have more education. Maybe you're better able to, to connect, even though like, let me bring you in, let me gain the relationship and the acceptance, but let me bring you into these places and spaces because you might be able to have a better connection or you might be able to truly relate to them and vice versa. Don't be afraid to bring me into your places and spaces, right? Go out in twos. I might not be well received or accepted initially, but all that you need to do is make the introduction, bring me into that place. And now maybe I have something that's of value to these same audiences. And so unite with us, unite with me. Let's come together and let's go out together and, and don't forsake your, your, your testimony. It's still, you have an audience and a sphere of influence that need to hear what you have to say. And it's just as important. I love that answer. That's amazing. A question I love to ask like influencers and people and pastors and leaders in, in really high volume spaces is, who pours into you? Because so much of what you do is pouring into other people. How are you being poured into at the same time? Mm, gosh, I, I have a lot. So uh, my wife is somebody who pours into me, um, but I also have a group of guys. And so we call we got this thing, Jeremy, called Dudes Day. So Dudes Day <laughs> is Tuesday. And we have a men's group that's a Zoom call at 6 p.m., but what we do is I gather some of my closest friends together and uh, we go to lunch. Sometimes we play basketball, we do barbecue, but we just kind of unplug. And in and, and some of those days we create content, we do podcasts, but some days we just hang out and, and just chop it up. And um, these guys are accountability partners. We bring our problems, our issues. We have raw man talk, but... Uh, I am surrounded by a good group of solid God-fearing men who are submitted to Christ, who we just kick it with, man, and we just hang out. So um, my cup is filled regularly, if not from my friends and the dudes on Dudes Day, then uh, my wife. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So as I remember, even we were supposed to record earlier this week, but you had mentioned that for you, you were you were pouring so much over the entire weekend because you had your service right you had royal yeah. city service yeah. yeah so you had spent that entire weekend doing ministry and you were like dude i need to rest which is like huge because i don't i think a lot of people including myself don't necessarily know my limits mm -hmm. and when i know i'm burning out and i'll just kind of keep saying yes and keep going into things um is that something that you've just always been like accustomed to and just knowing how to say no to things in life or things to like you know, rain check stuff, or was that something that you kind of had to learn the harder way where you were just constantly feeling burned out and then eventually caught up to you that you needed to make some changes? You know, it's, it's a divine revelation is I believe that I operate at a high capacity. And so that what comes with that is also having a, a knowledge of self and listening to your body. And, um, no is a no saying no is uh, an an unanswered prayer. So you have to honor your no and, um, respect it. So if you're, you know, if the spirit's saying, Hey, rest, don't ignore that. Don't try to power through. There's so much power in, in saying that. So no, it was, it was something that I've protected. I have a lot of healthy boundaries, uh, guardrails. If I want to do this, because a lot of people will say, Andrew, you're going to burn out. And it's like, ah, I, I take care of my body. I exercise, I eat well, I get plenty of sleep. I take time off. I take sabbaticals. I unplug I've created, God has given me guardrails and ways to sustain it without doing too much. And if you just listen, I think that, uh, I think that God knows what he's doing. 
Yeah, I think, well, I think one thing you just, I mean, you kind of briefly glazed over it, but I think it's something that's kind of in the, in between in the Christian community is like physical health and like actually taking care of your body and like getting proper rest, but like the food that you consume, like how that plays a role into your overall effect of your day. Um, we can make a whole episode just talking about how you take care of your body, but, um, I think that's huge. That's something that I'm trying to get back into is just knowing that like you shouldn't just consume poor foods all day because you're young and think that you can get away with it because it makes a big difference. Plus when, I mean you, what's like the average amount of hours of sleep you get a night? Oh man, six to eight. Six to eight. Six to eight. So yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I think uh when I first kind of got into the business space for myself, I was like grind all the time. So my thought was like stay up late, wake up early, change the world. There's like a workplace that I worked at that used that phrase. And uh over time I learned that most of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world actually got more like eight hours of sleep every single night and my mind was blown. And so kind of like making that shift to think, oh, I should I should actually take care of my body because I can get more done in the day when I'm not, you know, falling asleep on my desk. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's huge. I love that. Okay. So I got, I got like one last question for, for you. And this one is like, this is for your personal testimony. Um, and I'll, and I'll follow it with one last question. So this is the second class one, but this one is, is kind of like going forth like from here, I know you kind of talked about Royal City a little bit, but like where do you envision what you want to do and where do you kind of see you and your wife going this next like five years? Do you see it primarily being in Royal City Church? Do you see it doing a lot more with like God Behind Bars? Where do you, do you, I mean like it also could just be, it's up in the air, who knows? Yeah. You know, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but like do you kind of have a vision or an idea of like where you're trying to go, like what the plan is? So, so I've learned a long time ago that, um, I can have all the goals in the world, but God establishes my steps. I couldn't have told you that I was going to be here a year ago. So I, I have yeah. no idea. Um, so, so I'm going to give you the super spiritual Christian answer. Um, <laughs> I, I've given God my yes and I'm just his, my life is his and he's just taking me on this path. But Jeremy, if I could give you like my dream, um, and, and whether or not we're there, that that's fine. My dream would be that we we own a building that um, we are making an impact in the community of Inglewood. It's established. I'm preaching two or three weeks out of the month, and the other week I'm traveling and sharing my testimony. Um, I've got a book that's on the New York Times bestseller, and it's not a book that's like puffing me up. It's all about Jesus. People are being radically changed and transformed because God gave me a word and, you know, people are reading it. They're hearing about my story and they want to know more about Jesus. Uh, I've got healthy kids, a thriving marriage, and I'm in the best shape of my life. That's where I would love to see myself in five years. But um, for all I know, I could be barefoot in the Congo preaching to uh, uninhabited people with a book box of Bibles over much. I don't know. So <laughs> I love it. That's, I love the dreams. I'm all for those. Yeah. All right. My last question for you. It's a serious one. All right. Why should someone follow Jesus? If someone's watching this right now, this is a little piece of micro content and they only have a minute, a minute and a half to hear from Andrew F. Carter and about following Jesus. Why should someone choose Jesus? Jesus is the way, the truth and life. There, nothing that this world promises you will satisfy. Everything else is counterfeit. Um, this world tries to tell you and define what success is, what beauty is, what peace, what happiness and joy is. 
but none of those things will ever, ever come even close to a relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. So following Jesus um, is the way to eternal life. It's the only way to the Father. And I would encourage you, uh, if you don't know, and if you're not following him, do so now. Don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till January 1st. Drop everything. And trust me, it is the best decision, the best choice that you will ever make. And uh, I can't promise you a life of ease. You won't necessarily live your best life now, but you will have a peace that transcends understanding and um, uh, a comfort that, that only Christ can provide. Amen to that. Amen. Sweet. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. This is super awesome. I, I love your story. I love the impact you're making. And I hope that this has been encouraging to any of you guys that are listening right now and just getting to hear a little bit of Andrew's story and where he comes from. Uh, Andrew, if people want to get involved with like your ministry or they want to kind of be a part of like what you're doing, like where, where can they go? Where can they go for that? Yeah, you can go to royalcitychurch.org or you can go to andrewfcarterministries.org. Um, or you can, I mean, there's link trees in all my bios. You can follow me on social media, Andrew F. Carter. What is, what is, is F your middle name? It's my mother's maiden name. So my name is Andrew Formby dash Carter, but, uh, that just is a mouthful. So <laughs> I honored my mom by keeping the first initial of her last name. So the F is for I me. love that. Do when people run into you, do they always just say, Hey, it's Andrew F. Carter. Or do they just say Andrew? No, they say it's the guy from TikTok. They don't know my <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy from TikTok. That yeah. works too. I'm prayer yeah, guy. I, Are you the prayer yeah. guy? Are you the guy who prays, prays on social media? Like, that's me. Yeah. Yep. Like you've prayed over me before, but you've never met yeah. me. You're like, that's yeah. awesome. Sweet. Well, uh, we'll hang around here on this thing for a few minutes afterwards, but uh, I'll just conclude this real quick for everybody else. So guys, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Ask UI podcast. If you love this episode, share it with your friends, let them know about it. Go and support Carter or Andrew F. Carter. Support him with every ministry that he's doing. You've heard his goals. You've heard his dreams. You know what he wants to do. And if you're in a position where you can go and help someone like him, I highly encourage you to be a part of that. Um, other than that, if you want to follow us on social media, you can check us out at Ask Us Why, Two Whys. And as always, you can head up our shop at askuswhyshop.com. With that being said, we love you guys, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Andrew, thank you for being on this episode, man. Thanks for having me.